And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. And I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Eric is off today and then he's back Monday. And I'm sure he's not happy that he's not with me today as he is on about doing some marketing for the show today. Uh, we texted just very briefly. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I'm sure when he comes in Monday, it's we're going to blame him because we've often talked about when we're both off, major news breaks. Now I can blame it on him. I said, no, it's actually you. When you're off, the... Uh, the stuff hits the fan, huh? Um, here we go. Uh, former President Trump indicted. Excuse me. The jury voted. Make sure we get this right. The jury voted uh, to indict him uh, yesterday. The Bragg uh, Manhattan jury, as we have said before, they uh, need just a majority. It's not anything that's unanimous. They need a majority. We always thought that was a possibility. Uh, the story had come out yesterday that it was going to be another month. Apparently, that wasn't the case. Who knows whether uh, Bragg changed his mind or whatever, but we are where we are uh, right now, and uh, Trump will be officially charged, they believe, next week. I've seen Tuesday is the is the uh, the the date? Let's hear from his uh, civil lawyer who was on uh, Fox News last night. This is Trump attorney Alina Haba. We all are aware that um, this is probably the most legally pathetic case that we've seen, um, and just knowing the fact. Okay, just had some problems uh, with that uh, audio cut, but I have it here. She said, um, uh, uh, I think uh, we're probably all aware this is probably the most legally pathetic case that we've seen, just knowing the facts uh, that I know, uh, based on the comments to the press by people like Michael Cohen, who are there, who are there arresting their case on. I think his sentiments are that 
This is a result of him leading in the polls, doing incredibly well. He is a leading candidate, as we know, and when people are afraid of someone being successful and fixing the mess that our country is in, they come after you. So this is the same thing that President Trump has been uh, dealing for uh, years. We've got so much to talk about on this and in covering this because uh, we have spent a lot of time going through what we know uh, of of Bragg's case and what legal experts believe uh, Bragg will make his case on. Now, yesterday it, it uh, came out also that the Trump grand jury was looking into uh, uh, alleged hush money paid to, uh, uh, was it, is it uh, Susan McDougal? Do I have her name right? Um, and Excuse me, Karen McDougal. Uh, and that could add to the case and bring a completely different dynamic to it. What we know about the, uh, the case uh, of Stormy Daniels, uh, as I have stated for the last two weeks, I'm just, you know, it's, I'm stunned that a DA would do it. Uh, I'm back to where I was a couple of weeks ago saying, what am I missing here? And there may be something else. But from what we know, the leaks and what Michael Cohen has said and what Costello has said, there is an indication of where this case is going. And I don't know how you can look at it any other way and except to say that it's weak. Now, we know when this first came out, when Trump said a couple of weeks ago that he was going to be indicted, and then the examination of what the possible case was, the only thing you really heard from Democrats is no one is above the law. Uh, You really didn't hear, and as the days went on, even those on the left said this is an extremely weak case. If this is what Bragg is going after, it is an extremely weak case. I, I don't even see where the case is to begin with. And we've talked about this before, for example, and we need to start at the beginning for people that are just new to this, especially since uh, you know the jury has voted to indict Trump. Uh, that the case is that uh, Trump paid money to Stormy Daniels. This is what they believe Bragg's case is, that Trump paid, uh, excuse me, uh, Trump, that allegedly Trump had an affair with Stormy Daniels. Now, Trump denies it, but he had an affair with Stormy Daniels, and Michael Cohen paid Stormy Daniels, I think it was, what, $130,000 to keep quiet. Now, there is no law against that. If that's, you know, if allegedly this all happened. And then Bragg, they believe, is going to say that Trump committed fraud business fraud because Trump uh, 
in the number of checks, and I think it's 34 because they believe there's going to be 34 counts of this, which would be each check that he paid uh, to Michael Cohen. Now, Trump says that was his normal retainer. He was paying him the retainer. Cohen's lawyers actually said in a written statement to the federal to the feds already that that is true that only he made the decision to do it and now he's changed his mind but his lawyers actually wrote to the federal government because this case has already been heard uh, by the southern district They decided not to charge. It's been looked at also by the FEC, and we'll get into that in a moment. Now, that particular case right there that Trump, uh, you know, on the checks or whatever, put that this money was for a retainer, and he didn't put it was hush money to pay off Stormy Daniels, so, you know, she would be quiet about it. He claims that's the business fraud. Well, if it is business fraud in New York, that is a misdemeanor, and the statute of limitations ran out on that a long time ago. So what they believe Bragg is trying to do is Bragg has said that the reason that Trump did this is because he wished to break another law and avoid the campaign finance law. Because what they're saying is this, he paid the money so he could be president and therefore that is a, uh, that is a campaign money violation because he did not report it that way. Well, the Federal Elections Commission who finds you for that looked at it and said, nope, it's not there. Southern District of New York looked at that and said, nope, it's not there. The Department of Justice looked at it and said, nope, it's not there. But Bragg, if he can prove, because the the higher crime that is a felony that has a longer statute of limitations, which are still over, and there's a debate as to whether it can continue to this point, that it is a felony If you commit that business fraud in order to commit another crime, which would be the federal crime of a federal elections violation. And so that's where we are right now. That's what we that's what the experts say. And by what Michael Cohen and Costello, uh, who was, uh, you know, uh, you had Mr. Costello, who was a legal advisor to Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen uh, was uh, Trump's uh, attorney, who apparently paid off Stormy Daniels. And Costello testified last week and said, everything Michael Cohen is telling you is a lie. He didn't do that. Trump didn't know anything about it. And then the letter or the emails came out to the New York Post from uh, Cohen's other lawyers that went, uh, former lawyers apparently, that went uh, to the uh, federal government that said, nope. Trump had nothing to do with it whatsoever. And we went, well, how do you take this case anywhere? There's got to be something else. The other thing is when you look at this, 
when you look at fraud law. When you commit fraud, you're doing it to either enrich yourself some way or hurt somebody else. And it can be a variety of ways, but mostly it's monetary. You commit fraud to get a financial benefit. Who is the victim who was hurt in this fraud case is something that may be brought up. Who did Trump defraud? Now, if he put on the on his IR on an IRS form uh something that was inaccurate, well then the IRS would have gone after him. But what they're saying is, and that's why it's such a low level crime, because you may not be defrauding anybody. You may just be putting, okay. I'm embarrassed by this. I don't want my wife to find out and whatever. So I'm going to mark it in my own ledger, which, again, nobody would ever see because who's going to see your own ledger of of that? Only if you use it for tax purposes, correct? And so if this is all Bragg has, then there really is no case. And that's why it's unprecedented in American history. Because nobody, no pre, no ex-president, no president has ever been indicted. Ever. And when it happens, it's supposed to be a clear-cut case. Because now it is, you know, this is like a banana republic, if this is all Bragg has. The opposition party in power goes after their political enemies to put them in jail by, in essence, making up crimes. So that's where we are right now. We've got so much to talk about uh, this uh, on today's show, plus your calls and uh, comments, ton of other stuff also uh, uh, going on, but a lot of focus on this because, yeah, you can look at it and go, it's a, you know, I've heard a lot, well, this is unprecedented, it's chilling, it's a day, of, you know, a, a, an incredible rare day in history that something like this happens yeah it may be but not unexpected you know if you look at the the dirty trick that the hillary campaign uh you know made on trump and this is really the incredible thing because what hillary did is actually worse than what trump did if trump did what they say he did And nobody ever thought, no one, not her worst enemies, ever thought that you could criminalize it. And the other case that's being talked about is John Edwards. And John Edwards actually took campaign dollars and donations and used it, uh, you know, uh, to, uh, to pay hush money also. And they couldn't convict him on it. So we'll get to that and more, plus your calls and comments. Great show ahead, 866-90-RED-EYE. It's not always easy to spring back from the harsh days of winter to warmer months ahead. From de-icing chemicals to hidden debris underneath snow and ice, winter conditions can do serious damage to your truck. Here's a must-do maintenance check to help you minimize downtime and stay rolling. Have your wheel alignment checked to set you up for a safer and smoother ride. Driving with incorrect wheel alignment can result in reduced performance, tread wear, and steering issues. While you're at it, Make sure your tires are properly inflated based on the load you're hauling. 
Underinflated tires can impact your fuel economy and result in blowouts. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric is back with me Sunday night, Monday uh, morning. Well, the grand jury, the Manhattan grand jury, uh, votes to uh, indict uh, Donald Trump yesterday afternoon. Here's Senator Josh Hawley on uh, Fox News yesterday. Well, I think what this is about is nothing to do with the rule of law, Jesse, obviously. This is about power. It is a demonstration of raw power. I think the Democrats know this has nothing to do with the law. They're sending a message, and the message is they will use any power that they have to interfere in the next presidential election. They will not willingly allow Donald Trump to run for president. They will not willingly lose the next election. They're going to use every means at their disposal. Jesse, these are the same people who have sent SWAT teams to pro-life activists who use the FBI against parents at school board meetings. They will do anything, use any kind of power to try and hold on to their own privileges, their own positions. And we're seeing that tonight. This is just unprecedented in American history. And the only way out now is to win. There you go. Uh, Josh Hawley yesterday from Senator from uh, Missouri on it. We'll get into all of the, 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 the politics of this. Uh, I, I think when you make a legal comparison, as as uh, you know, we did when this first came out, we were one of the first to, to make. In fact, we made it and the next day. <laughs> I think the next day I looked at Eric and said, wow, <laughs> Jonathan Turley used our same argument. Uh, the uh, the law professor who is a Democrat and we used Hillary Clinton and we said uh, 
when the Hillary campaign, the Hillary campaign was actually charged with a federal election violation, and they were fined one hundred thirteen thousand dollars because they took that they took cash, gave it to a law firm that fun, then funneled that money to the people who created the fake dossier on Donald Trump. And when the Hillary campaign gave that money to the law firm, they said it was for a different reason. So as we stated, well, that's business fraud right there. And you look at, you know, the, the uh, you know, you, you look at, you know, that, and then that dossier was, as we know, the fake dossier, we saw what happened to that over a period of time. Nobody even ever thought of looking at Hillary Clinton and saying, okay, well, you you committed business fraud in order to hide a federal, you know, in order to commit a federal campaign violation. Well, she was actually found, the, the campaign was found guilty of a federal election campaign uh, violation for that money going to the law firm and then everything that happened because of that. Nobody, nobody ever thought, nobody ever thought, not her worst enemies ever thought, okay, we can we can come up and charge her with the felony on this. It was never even thought about. Nobody even thought about the concept of business fraud. And so that's why when you look at this, you had the Southern District of New York. They wouldn't prosecute. The feds wouldn't prosecute. The FEC wouldn't prosecute, and Bragg does. And like I said, unless there's something else, this is bad. This is as bad as it gets in American politics. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Eric has uh, the morning off, but he returns Sunday night, Monday morning, and it's we're sure going to be very, very interesting shows uh, uh, next week. Did you see where Nancy Pelosi came out and said, Well, you know, this is the justice, this is justice at work. And Trump is going to have to prove his innocence. It's like, we believe you got that posterior backwards. <laughs> but, I mean, that's how the Democrats think. He needs to prove his innocence. No. <laughs> the prosecution has to prove the guilt. One thing that you can that you can notice here, and it's almost on everything that we talk about on the Democrats on the, on the issues is the fact that they can't win on they they cannot one of the reasons that they wish to shut the right up consistently 
The reason they wish to censor is because they understand they cannot win on the issues. And I do believe that this prosecution, uh, and maybe others to come, many of them are based, well, we don't, I don't know what the other one's going to be based on. I look at what we know on this one, though. This one is based on my belief, knowing the law, and what we know so far, there's nothing there. But what it gives the Democrats is the ability to only focus on Trump. Every every Republican that's running in the primary, it'll be about Trump. This is what they this is what they hope. Uh, any questions in the political campaign to Trump will be based on this. And they hope the focus will go off of Biden and on to Trump, where it's just negative news every single day on Trump. That's what they hope. And you will notice that I was uh, uh, listening to an audio cut, and it's just it, he's got music in the background, so it's unplayable, but it was Robert Reich. Uh, and former Obama labor secretary. And the talking points are, no one is above the law. It's like, well, nobody's saying anybody is above the law to begin with on the other side. Nobody is above the law. And the the facts will show that uh, Trump is guilty. But nobody will talk about the specific facts. They won't get into the minutia of the actual charges. And when they do, even on MSNBC and CNN last week, they said, yeah, this is a weak case. The only ones that imply that it's a strong case from what we know, again, everything is what we know. There may be something else Bragg comes up with, but what we know. But you would think that that would leak because, by the way, all these things are leaking. These are all illegal leaks. Uh, even the um, uh, the uh, uh, couple of weeks ago, a lot of the information that we've got out, you know, has been from Cohen, but there have been leaks. And the one thing that we wonder is the politics has been. So bad for Bragg on this that the question would be, why isn't it leaking that they have more on Trump than is being said in the media? Nobody is saying that, not even on the Democrat side. Because that would be the key. I know somebody might argue, well, he's waiting till uh, the actual charges come about. And then when the charges come about, he'll say, see, it was more than what they were saying. But nobody can figure out at this point what that might be. You know, the Karen McDougal uh, investigation, maybe that's something different. But when you look at the precedent, the precedent that's been set on this, and people use John Edwards, for example, and... You look at, as we mentioned, also Hillary Clinton. Nobody ever even thought of charging Hillary Clinton. 
And she actually committed, and not just committed, but admitted a campaign violation where her campaign was fined $113,000 for committing uh, what, if you compare it to Trump, would be business fraud. You're saying you're giving money to a law firm for one reason, and you gave it to them for another reason, which was to create the enterprise to jimmy up false evidence against Trump, sell it to the FBI and the media. So you could win the election. And it worked. And so I do not believe that there is anything that the Democrats will not do. They impeached a president twice on precedent that had never been used before. And now we know just because of Ukraine and Hunter Biden that the first one was bogus. And I've always wondered whether they decided that Trump was getting too close. I really wonder this, whether Trump was getting too close and, and, you know, to Hunter Biden, his relationship with Ukraine, where it was like, all right, we need to go at, let's put the focus on Trump and take it off of Hunter Biden. Just everything that happened in that first impeachment. Because now what we know uh, about the first impeachment even then, Eric and I said it was bogus. But now what we know, obviously it was completely and totally bogus. There was nothing there. And so if you look at it from the Democrat standard, Biden, just what we know from the influence peddling, should have been uh, impeached uh, <laughs> before he even got into office. Because <laughs> we knew about the Hunter Biden laptop uh, before that. So uh, they will go to any means because they are such a radical party that they cannot win on the issues. The only thing that they believe they can run on is Trump. If they don't have Trump, they don't have anything. They aren't a political party that has been able to convince the American public, based on the issues that they are the ones that are serving America. And so it's got to be Trump, 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 Trump. Because they don't have anything else. And so we'll see where this goes. You know, and how long the process could be? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, if he's in, if he's in, uh, uh, if the charges are next week, if he's indicted next week and arraigned next week, I don't know. This may not this may not go to trial, and I'm sure the Democrats are hoping for this. This may not go to trial until who knows a year from now, when we're into the primary campaign. Who knows? It could be going on during the general election. It could take that long to actually bring it to court. 
one thing I will say is that uh, uh, you know that uh, the Republicans in Congress, in the House, have said that, you know, Bragg needs to explain what he's doing. And we made the point, which is the correct point, that the House has no legal authority over the uh, well, the the uh, the district attorney uh, in that particular case, but there is an interest from the federal government. There's a legit interest because if all Bragg has is what we know, then it is political interference by a district attorney. It is attempting to make up a crime, and this is, again, this is why we look and go, this is like a banana republic. This is something that happens in other countries, not the United States, where the party in power attempts to arrest and jail its opposition. If this is all he has, if there isn't more that is absolutely well-defined, and again, when this came out about uh, almost two weeks ago, when Trump talked about this, I was, you know, there's, but there's nothing there. I mean, how could he go? you got to be delusional to go with a case like this. And then I remember this is the DA, and I've said this over and over again because I think it's extremely important. This is the DA that said, we're not going to prosecute armed robbery as a felony as long as you don't pull the trigger on the gun. And at that point, it's like this guy lives in his own delusional world, that he could sell something like that, and he couldn't sell it. And you looked at how soft on crime he is. When the question was asked, we did the poll, I believe it was earlier this week, that even like half of Democrats, when polled and said, this is a district attorney that is soft on crime. Do you believe that going after Donald Trump on these charges is political? And half of Democrats thought it was. And so that's what you're dealing with. Everybody knows that from what we know right now, the charges are bogus. If those are the charges. If there isn't anything added to it. Everyone knows. That's why by the time we got to, you know, last Thursday and Friday, even the legal experts on MSNBC and CNN, okay, this is a weak case. And then it came out, wait a minute, this is a weak case. Now this is such a weak case that you're going to make the other cases that they believe are stronger, everything will be viewed as political and a witch hunt against Donald Trump because this is such a weak case. So we will see uh, what uh, uh, happens uh, in New York tomorrow. I know that the uh, police commissioner of New York said uh, every available officer needs to be near the, the whatever near the, near the courthouse because they believe that there will be protests. I did see some video from Mar Lago, but there seemed seemed to be in the video that I saw only a few dozen uh, you know well behaved uh, uh, protesters there. So we'll talk more about this. We'll get to some of your phone calls if you want to get in, 866-90-RED-EYE, plus a bunch of other stories out there. Jobless claims rise by more 
than expected, 198,000. Uh, uh, Movement in Congress yesterday on the energy uh, bill and, oh, oh, just a perfect example, evidence of just how radical the liberal transgender activist movement is. I found this yesterday and I went, okay, and I don't know if it was said yesterday. I believe it was said earlier, uh, this testimony in Congress, but it's mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling. It shows you how insane they are. If you want to get in, 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off, 86690 uh, Red Eye. We'll talk more uh, about the grand jury voting to indict uh, Trump and, and uh, more reaction to it. Uh, Jonathan Turley, the constitutional law professor who's been all over this, he is a Democrat and not a Trump supporter who looks at it and says, from what we know right now, unless there's another crime that nobody has figured out what that may be that this is just an outrageous political prosecution uh we will get uh, to uh, uh that and what is the procedure what what happens what happens now um from uh what the lawyer said trump will not be handcuffed i did see that yesterday that the lord one it could though that could change but i saw one of his lawyers said they don't expect that he will be uh, uh, handcuffed. Will there be pictures? Uh, uh, yeah. Will there be a mob around him as he walks into the courthouse? Probably not. That probably won't happen. This is a completely, this is totally unprecedented because you've got the Secret Service uh, involved in this also who protects, uh, you know, former presidents. So we'll have that and more coming up. 866-90-RED-EYE. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. I hope you're just not starting your day. Otherwise, wow, what a schedule you have. 866-90-RED-EYE if you'd like to get in. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric returns for Sunday night, Monday morning's uh, show. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. If you can't listen live overnight, you can listen when and where uh, you uh, choose. Just reading here from the New York Post editorial on the uh, grand jury deciding uh, to, uh, well, voting to indict 
uh, Donald Trump, uh, said, make no mistake, this is a politically motivated prosecution. Was District Attorney Alvin Bragg shamed by an ex-employee who wrote a book claiming he was dro- that he dropped the ball on Trump? Is he worried about not being able to get a nice room at the Democratic convention? Either way, Bragg is inflating a minor possible crime into a felony so he can launch his own campaign for re-election. How bad is this case? Let us count the ways. The key witness, lawyer Michael Cohen, is a liar. Uh, precedent shows that in other similar cases, such as the one-time presidential candidate John Edwards, the defendants have been found not guilty. Bragg's own predecessor and the feds declined to bring this case against Trump, Trump for six years. Bragg is trying to convert a state-level misdemeanor falsifying financial records into a federal felony. A less self-interested prosecutor would have dropped it and, we don't know, uh, gone after the scourge of gun violence or the shoplifting and robbery, robbery epidemic on New York City streets. This is the New York Post, by the way, just so you know, so they're local there. Trump faces investigations that are, in our minds, far more serious. Uh, his uh, actions on January 6th and pushing uh, for Georgia to find votes for him. The Stormy Daniels case is a goose egg that just convinces America that our legal system is biased and politicized. That Bragg couldn't see that or didn't care just shows how bad of a district attorney he is. That's from the... Uh, New York Post. I want to go to uh, Fox News. Jonathan Turley was on Fox News on Brett uh, Bear's show uh, uh, yesterday, and uh, he was asked by uh, Bear, you know, first off about that this is, Brett was saying this is a historic moment. It is. It's historic. It's not necessarily good history uh, that is being made. It's not that I oppose the indictment of a former president. I don't even oppose the indictment of a sitting president on constitutional basis. But this uh, indictment, if it is reportedly following the theories that we've been talking about, is political. It's a raw political prosecution. Now, the indictment may come out with a crime that none of us have heard of, but for many months... This bootstrapping theory has been put out there. This idea that you could take a misdemeanor under New York law that has expired, that has a two-year statute of limitations, and revive it by connecting it to a federal crime, in this case, the federal election violation. Now, there's a host of problems with that. First of all, it's a federal crime that the Department of Justice chose not to prosecute. Uh, Bragg's own predecessor declined to prosecute. Uh, But he is attempting to bootstrap that federal crime into a state case. And if that is the basis for the indictment, I think it's rather outrageous. I think it's, it's legally pathetic. Uh, Jonathan uh, Turley yesterday, breaking down the case as we did before, and they continued with the conversation here. Looking live at Mar-a-Lago, Palm Beach, uh, residence uh, for the former president, I want to read just a paragraph from the New York Times. Uh, 
documenting of this uh, in this story. It says on Thursday, the three lead prosecutors on the Trump investigation walked into the building where the grand jury was sitting in the minutes before the panel was scheduled to meet at 2 p.m. One of them carried a copy of the penal law with post-it notes visible, which was likely used to read the criminal statutes to the grand jurors before they voted. About three hours later, the prosecutors walked into the court clerk's office through a back door to begin the process of filing the indictment. As you rightly point out, Jonathan, the federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York chose not to go down this road with this case. The Federal Election Commission chose not to go down this road with this case. And then Alvin Bragg himself, as district attorney, when he first took office, did not put a hold indefinitely on going down this road, but then revived it and talked publicly about that. Yeah, and part of the problem, Brad, is that you had Bragg throw a flag on this case, which was the right thing to do. And then his two lead prosecutors resigned in protest. And one of them took the, in my view, outrageous step of writing a book about the investigation, which was still ongoing. They were the, the subject of his book was an individual who hadn't been uh, convicted uh, or charged. And so this book really ramped up the pressure on Bragg. But the other interesting thing about this is that there's a good reason why the Department of Justice did not prosecute this case, because it's been down this road before. It tried a case against former Democratic presidential candidate John Edwards, arguing that hush money paid to another woman who bore a child out of that relationship uh, was, in fact, a campaign um, uh, violation. That was a much stronger case, but they lost. And the reason they lost is because even if you can bootstrap that dead misdemeanor into something alive, you're essentially arguing a federal case that the Department of Justice declined. But it's also a case that requires you to show if that is the basis of this indictment, that Trump's only, his sole motive for paying this money or having third parties pay it was for the election. Well, that's the problem from Edwards. There's a host of reasons why a celebrity and a married individual uh, would want to hush up an affair, particularly with a porn star. Uh, uh, there you go. And that's uh, Jonathan Turley yesterday. And as you know, that's he's he laid it out as you know, we laid it out in the first hour. There has not been an argument to those points yet legally from anybody on the left no one i haven't heard anyone attempt to argue it you will hear the generalities as we said before no one is above the law it's about time they got trump but what about the actual substance of the the charges that they believe unless there's another charge coming out of left field but the charges that uh you know apply to this particular case um has there been a legal argument against it? I haven't heard it. And that's how you know. When the rhetoric is just, it's Trump and he's not above the law, and nobody's above the law, that type of rhetoric does not touch onto what's really important. And many times what's really important is the minutia of the actual charge and the actual law that exists. By the way, Governor DeSantis says that uh, Florida will not assist in an extradition request uh, you know, if they go down that road. But from what I know, that uh, Trump was not going to 
uh, uh, attempt to uh, waive extradition. So, um, you know, they they plan on being well. The last we heard, they plan on on uh, on being there. Let us go to Bill in Alabama. Bill, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. Hey, how you doing, Gary? Very good. What I was going to bring up was that nobody has mentioned how if you're this is kind of setting the president if you're going to run for a political office you better have some really deep pockets to be able to lawyer up if they're going to bring all these frivolous lawsuits against you either in office or after you get out of office that's going to make somebody think god i better have some a lot of money to pay for all these lawyers well, on that Go level, on that level, myself. yeah, on that level as a of, of president, most likely you can raise whatever money you need for legal fees. Where where I always look at it, and where I would never go, I'd never work for a president. You know, if you're making a lot of these people that work for the president make one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then boom, they get a lawsuit against them, and the it runs into the millions, and they don't have any type of legal defense fund that they can raise. That to, if you're president. You know, odds are, I mean, you you can raise the, you know, Trump, I'm sure, is going to try, you know, to fundraise off of uh, off of this. And uh, but as for, you know, he's got the money for any legal uh, defense that is uh, here. But I look at the other people that work in the White House and say, I just I'd never do it. You're paying me one hundred fifty thousand dollars and I could be facing millions of dollars in legal fees. Who was it? Oh, I can't think of his name. Oh, I got mind blank here. And this was all during the impeachment time. I just can't think of his name. And he's from my town. He's from Buffalo. But he worked for the Trump campaign. And, you know, he just had a regular job. And when he was gone, I mean, he wasn't a millionaire. And he said, every single time you have to go and testify before Congress. And he had to go testify before Congress. This was actually just testifying before Congress. He wasn't up on any charges. This was just... When you have to testify before Congress and you have to have, you know, legal advice when you do it. Michael, Michael, I just can't think of his name. Um, but he said every time, because he, he went public with a GoFundMe account. Uh, he, he said, I, I'm, I'm not rich. But he was just appearing before Congress. Every, if he appeared before Congress for one day, $50,000. So, yeah, I mean, you see that, you're like, wow. No, I, and I've said it before, I would never. You couldn't pay me enough to work for a president and have the possibility of that type of liability uh, against me. Most presidents, when you, get up to the, when you get up to the level of being a legit presidential candidate, odds are you can fundraise and get a legal defense fund going. When you're the smaller guy who's working in the White House and nobody even knows who you are, they're the ones can get screwed by these legal fees if something happens to uh, to them. All right, eight six six ninety red eye. Surviving and thriving as an owner operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. 
Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Friday Radio. He is Eric Carley. He returns Sunday night, Monday morning. I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Let's go to Chris in Cincinnati. Chris, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi, Chris. Good morning, Gary. Thank you for taking my call, bud. You're welcome. What's up? What, once again, that, this is why I call them the dumbass camps, because they're dumbasses. Apparently, they can't think straight. How do they not realize, before they do any of this, they literally just handed this man a billion dollars, if not more, of free publicity. Okay, and I'm talking about worldwide publicity. I mean, this this was on national, it was on almost every station, BBC America. I mean, it was everywhere, all over the world. They had it, and I'm pretty sure they were broadcasting it in North Korea. Okay, that Trump got indicted. That, and they literally just handed, I think they handed him the nomination. Literally, for, for the Republicans and more slight, more than likely the presidency, because who have to put up against him? I think not one. Well, I think that that's exactly what they wanted, because they want him to get the nomination. The billions of dollars in free publicity today will be different from the billions of dollars in free publicity, let's say a year from now when it goes to trial. And Stormy Daniels oh, yeah. and 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 uh, Karen McDougal are up there talking about the the uh, the sex acts of Donald Trump with them, and so it may help him in the nomination. It will not help him in the general election, and that's exactly what they're counting on. They they're doing this, and they've gone after Trump because they hope that he continues to run because they believe he will get the nomination. But then he will lose the general election to uh, to uh, Biden or whoever runs, because right now, when you look at the numbers of the nat- last election, you know Trump is uh-huh. not Trump does not care. You can tell by the way he's campaigning; he doesn't care about broadening his base. He's not going to get independents. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, right. He's not going to get independents who didn't vote for him in 2020 to come around to vote for him now. And he's going to need a heck of a lot of votes. Now, the big wild card in this is if it's Biden, and we talked about this yesterday, the big wild card that could give Trump a victory no matter what is that inflation and the world is in such a mess 
and the public has dealt with that that time in the general election, almost four years of inflation. That is something that, you know, that's the big wild card. And then we don't know what will happen with Joe Biden influence peddling, because influence peddling, if Republicans can connect uh, more of the dots and get more publicity on that, is definitely more concerning to the public than a, uh, you know, than, uh, than, you know, having an affair. Uh, and so, so you, but you don't, you, you, you well, when I'm, what, the point that you, you, so you don't think that even though the general public, first of all, we, we know this man's history. We know president Trump's history. We know his background. Don't you think that most people, I mean, even the, because of the political landscape, the way it is now, the way the country's being ran right now with the inflation, with the high gases, the, 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 the pretty much, de, uh, 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 politicizing and weaponizing the IRS trying to pretty much tell you where you can, what you can eat, how you're supposed to cook it, how you're supposed to drive, how you're supposed to breathe. Don't you think at some point they're going to say, well, you know what, this is just another Trump fiat. This is just something that he did in the past. We don't care because when he was running the country for those four years, let's see, inflation was damn near nothing. The trade wars, we won. We pretty much kicked their butts. The border was secure. We didn't have all of the crime we were we were dealing with because we didn't have all of these so-called DAs now that are in this power. They're, they 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 were really fine. Do you think that the, that the public is finally going to say, you know what, enough's enough? We don't care that he did this. We really don't because we just want our country back. No matter whether it's, I mean, I know he's probably going to have some issues with the independents and the really far right wing liberals, but I think an overall consensus is we're just done. We're, we're sick of this whole weaponizing of our political system, of our justice system, of the Department of, of Justice, of the FBI. I mean, it's just getting to the point now where it's like, wait a minute, I, I don't even want to talk on the phone because I'm afraid that if I say something that sounds somewhat conspiratorial, there's going to be a knock on my door by an IRS agent or the NSA or, you know, because you, you wonder, okay, well, if they're going to do this to him, how far are they going to go to just a normal American person, just a normal citizen that pays his taxes, does his job, but there might be something sketchy or somebody might have said something, and pretty soon they're knocking on your door. Because he, I mean, he did say it best when he said, listen, they, they're coming for everybody. I'm just a guy in the way. One that would, might be the case, yeah, but I, one, I, I, I would hope that we, I, yeah. well, I would just hope as Americans, we would say, you know what, we're done. This is ridiculous. We're We're at a point now where... I mean, you can't even get on the subway. You can't walk down the street. You can't open a business. In most of these cities, you've got giant corporations leaving like Walgreens, Walmart, Meyer, uh, uh, Target. They're saying, you know what? If you're not going to help protect us, we're not going to do business in your state anymore. And the, the funny thing is the states are like, eh, we don't care. Go, go right ahead. I will not argue with the substance of what you're saying, but following the bottom of the hour, I... I... I will throw out some countering positions to the politics of it. So uh, hang up and listen. Consider yourself canceled if you don't listen nightly. Red Eye Radio. 
And I'm Gary McNamara. Eric uh, will return Sunday night, Monday uh, morning. Thanks, Chris, for the call, and 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 thank you because you you express I'm I'm sure the frustration that many people uh, feel <laughs> when it's like, wait a minute, how can anybody vote for Biden again, and how could you know how could this possibly uh, uh, affect uh, Trump? And I can't disagree with you with any of the substance of what you laid out, which is why it's so frustrating, I think, for a lot of conservatives to look at how inept this government is right now and believe that Biden could possibly win again. But we're not talking about people that think like you or people that think like me. Donald Trump is a moderate. Donald Trump is no right-wing conservative. You know, we talked about this last week. Trump, one of the most liberal things talked about right now, fiscally, in Congress, that Republicans are universally against, is the wealth tax. Who was the first person to ever propose that on a major level? Donald Trump. My point is <laughs> the, the fact that uh, Trump, in essence, is not a right-wing conservative. That's not why he lost the popular vote by 7 million people. Because if you look at where people stand on the issues, they were right in line. Vast majority of the public, it's like with the Republican Party right now, you take Trump's name out of it and you just put that issue on there and the Republicans have a landslide. Sorry, but Trump, as great of a communicator as he was in 2015, and he was, that's what got him there, was a horrible communicator for 2020. People didn't vote for Donald Trump because they didn't like him, not because they didn't agree with him. And remember, that's happened to Republicans before. He's not the first. Now, it wasn't the same reason, but in the exit polls in 2012, Landslide numbers agreed on the majority of the issues uh, with Romney. He was viewed as an out-of-touch rich person. And that's why he didn't get it, even though they agreed with him on the issues. Trump turns people off. I know you look you look past it, and you say, well, I don't care. He, he stood where he, he was where I want to be on the issues. I don't care if somebody's a jerk. And somebody thinks he's a jerk. I don't care if I think he's a jerk. Does he get the job done? I understand that. Most of us understand that. But there are a significant number of people that don't. And we also live in a nation that doesn't pay as much attention to all the issues as you do. 56% of people cannot tell you the three branches of government. 56%. Do not know the three branches of government. They have no idea how the government works. Think about that. They have no idea. They're against everything that the Republicans stand for, but they can't tell you why. They just don't like them. Likeability matters. And so I would hope, my answer to you is I would hope that voters would think like you if given the choice between whoever is a Republican candidate and Biden, if Biden ends up being the candidate. 
I don't know who else would be. But remember, it was calculated. I said it in April of 2020, right after COVID. In fact, I got a call from a a, a really great friend of mine, and she was livid. She said, Trump's going to lose. I have this almost a quote. Biggest Trump supporter you could ever have found. And she called me up, and it was after one of those COVID uh, meetings when he was getting into arguments and going down rabbit holes on some things that didn't even matter, care about about COVID. And there had been bad publicity of how he had done it. And she called me up, and she said, Trump's going to lose a damn election because he won't shut up. Biggest Trump supporter you could possibly find. Agreed with him on probably 95% of the issues of where he stood. As most Americans do, probably you'll find probably half a Democrats where he stood on the issues actually agree with him. Especially on things like trade. Because a lot of his positions on trade were Democrat positions just a few years ago. They didn't like him. Likeability matters. Look, you can look at uh, the uh, midterm election. The real, loyal Trump candidates who weren't able to separate themselves from him, the ones on a national level, especially in the Senate, had defeats to completely unqualified candidates. Fetterman. We just use that. I can use that as the example and and move on. Fetterman, one of the worst candidates you could possibly ever imagine. So what you have to understand is people don't think like you, or they don't think like me. But that's the problem. And then, as we also stated, uh, the. You know, the January 6th, I think I thought January 6th would be bigger for this election, but actually the Democrats cut their own throats with the January 6th committee where the majority of people believed it was political. But as I said, you can never get over those scenes. No, it wasn't an insurrection. It was a riot. But those scenes, Americans don't forget. And if Trump, a year from now, is in the midst of a trial, and maybe another in, in, indictment on one of the other things being investigated. But all the salacious details are going on. The number one thing you hear from Republicans, why they want an option besides Donald Trump, is the drama. And you want drama? Wait till these witnesses start testifying in court. They may be not credible, but it'll be blasted all over the headlines And it's not going to be positive. And if it's, if the, if Trump has a nomination and the trial's going on at that point, the media will cover nothing else. There will be no other questions being asked, uh, you know, up to, uh, to, uh, to Trump. No other questions. The issues will be drama or Biden. Doesn't matter if people believe that Biden is completely, uh, unqualified doesn't matter whether we're for uh to some people whether we're four years into inflation as i've stated if the public is where it was in november of last year for the midterm 
If that's what the public mindset is, and I don't necessarily believe it will, I'm just making that statement. Because, again, we're projecting out. Nobody has any idea what other things could happen between now and then that could change everything completely. We have no idea. But if the public is where it was just a few months ago, and this trial is going on, Trump loses. Now, that's the question. After four years of inflation, or three and a half, I guess you'd be going in at that time. Uh, yeah, it'd be three, three and a half years of, of, of inflation. Uh, will people be where they are in November of 2022? Will they still, will that be enough to push them over? But understand, you deal with the majority of the public who has no idea how the government runs. They have no idea. The basic things that we knew in elementary school, 56% of the public doesn't know about. They don't even know how. Think about this. Can you imagine not knowing how your own government works? The majority of Americans don't know. And that's why I said it's easy to hate America. You have no idea what the Constitution's about. I hate America. I hate the Constitution. It all sucks. Do you know how it runs? No. So that's what you're dealing with. But, yeah, so I don't disagree with anything that you said. Everything that you said, uh, uh, you know, of the substance of where Trump stands on the issues and where Biden is on the issues and what we have seen and everything that you laid out about the Democrats from the weaponization of government to going after regular people. You know, I did see one thing, and this this could resonate because there's so many great unknowns, is that uh, the, the, the weaponization, you know, we talk about the weaponization of government against regular people, and now you view it as the Democrats are saying there is no weaponization and all of a sudden this comes out. Does that reemphasize or amplify to the regular person out there who said, man, there, you know, not, you know, I thought if they went after him, they could come after us. Well, they did come after people like us and now they're going after him. We've always thought, Eric and I, if they're trying to take the big guy down, well, they'll try to take you down. You have no chance. And you saw that with Russia collusion. And you know where, the, where they will go. And I think one of the frustrating parts for all of us is that without question, there is no doubt in my mind that if Republicans communicated effectively, they would win every election for the next decade until Democrats change. Democrats want the focus on Trump because they know they can't win on any issue. Can Democrats win on the border? No. Can they win on energy? No. Why can't they win on energy? The cost. Can they win on the economy? No. Why? Inflation. And we can go point by point by point on every major issue. They can't win. That's why they're deflecting. And that's also why you will see, and I'll have an example coming up following the top of the hour. You'll want to hear this example of of uh, a a liberal wanting to not debate anymore. You saw the one congressman yesterday that that was screaming and yelling about uh, the uh, the uh, uh, Republicans, you know, uh, not caring about children. He's screaming. Jonathan Turley had a great comment on that. He goes, "Here we are. We're in the age of rage. There is no discord or debate. It's simply the left rages. That's their argument. They don't want to debate. They just wish to rage because." They can't argue the substance of any major issue that they're defending. And like the liberal transgender activist movement, they just want you to shut up. They don't even want you, if you question, say, well, let me ask you this question. You know, when you you say that you're a biological 
male, if you say so, you mean uh, you mean you can be then a biological female? Asking that question is transphobic. You can't even ask the question. Why? Because they know if you ask the question, they don't have an answer for you. And that's why across the board, the Democrats want to censor. That's why they want to censor Twitter. That's why they want to censor social media. That's why they want to censor you in your life. They know they can't win the debate. And this is all part of the, you know, uh, this is part of their narrative, what you're seeing here even with Trump. Let's focus on Trump. We won't discuss any issues, and we win. If it's Trump versus us and no issues, we win. And that's what they're hoping. And I know, Chris, you're looking and saying, look at all the issues. That's what they're hoping. It's Trump against the Democrats and no issues out there because it's bad orange man. That's all that matters. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Eric will be back Sunday night, Monday morning. It's you and me for the rest of the uh, Friday show. Coming up, we'll have uh, more on the grand jury voting to indict uh, Donald Trump. And uh, more problems with the the left, just how insane they are. Uh, And why, uh, I believe, one of the reasons that they you know, want Trump front and center because they can't argue any of the issues out there. But also coming up here on the show, jobless claims rise more than expected uh, uh, last month. We'll get uh, to uh, that. (laughs) Nancy Pelosi, I love this headline, Nancy Pelosi inverts the American justice system, says Trump has a right to prove his innocence. (laughs) And... uh, to Chris in Cincinnati, if you're still listening, we'll get to this uh, poll here. 90% worried about inflation in this country. It is the top concern uh, in this country. And that's why we said by the time the election comes, you're talking about another year and seven months until we're into campaign season and early voting has uh, has started. And inflation keeps going up and up and up and up and up. How will how will it affect uh, the election? That again, Chris, and I'm sh- I'm sure. Look, we're not we're not in disagreement on anything of substance of where you know Biden stands whatsoever. The difference is just projecting out what might be in the future and where what the American public, how the American public is thinking, maybe up for hypothetical debate. Uh, but we'll get to more of that. Plus, uh, your calls and comments if you'd like to get in and talk on this insane day <laughs> 86690 red eye 
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric is back Sunday night, Monday morning. I can't wait. I can tell you right now, he is not happy that he's not here to do the show with me right now. I know we're the discussion. I thought it was when we were both off that the big news happens, but apparently it's just when I'm off, all the big news uh, uh, happens. But download our Red Eye Radio app today, and uh, you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Uh, all right, so we uh, had a great conversation with uh, Chris from uh, Cincinnati last hour, and just you know talking about how uh, the uh, grand jury voting to indict Donald Trump, and if he is officially charged next week, where that will lead, uh, you know, in the in the election and, you know, where people stand right now on the issues and how the issues will affect the election, possibly in 2024, uh, compared to personalities or Trump in the middle of a court case. All interesting stuff. Uh, as I said, though, always understand where a significant portion of the public is. And we had mentioned before that uh, 56% of Americans can't tell you the three branches of government, which means they have no clue how our government works. Think about that. I've known since I was in elementary school. I knew about the three branches of government in elementary school. I knew the separation of powers and understood the concept before I was ever taught in school because <laughs> it was the Cold War and dad was an engineer on the inter- intercontinental ballistic missiles with the nuclear tip warheads working for Bell Aerospace. So the discussion of Russia versus the United States was always at our dinner table. So I knew the difference between communism and a, and a democratic republic. And, uh, you know, and so that's, uh, you know, so I knew most of the public doesn't. We talked yesterday for example, about what the public knows and what the public doesn't know, either through willful ignorance or whatever reason. But there was an article we read yesterday from National Review talking about why it's impossible to budget by public opinion. And it backs up what Eric and I have said for the longest time. The majority of people with the with the situation right now with the budget, the majority of people uh, believe that we can, ba- this is Republicans and Democrats believe that we can balance the budget uh, by getting rid of foreign aid and wasteful spending. Who, we can't define wasteful spending, so that's not going to happen. So you say, okay, foreign aid. And as this poll finds out, looking at go, wow, it's impossible to budget by public opinion because the public is clueless on how bad the budget is. And that includes. A significant portion of Republicans. Uh, you have. Oh, I just had it here, and I've got to go back to. Uh, f- hang on one second. I got to find this uh, online here uh, because I printed it up. 
And when you print something up, uh, it never prints right. <laughs> Get me better technology in here, will you, please? Uh, and uh, this is uh, where the majority of the, 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 the public believes, again, that um, all we have to do is cut foreign aid and we can balance the budget. They want to increase. The majority of Republicans want to increase infrastructure, want to increase what we spend on Social Security and uh, Medicare. Um, 57% of Republicans on Social Security, 68% of Democrats. Medicare was more split, but 45% of Republicans still want more federal spending along with 69% of Democrats. Of the 16 categories of spending listed, Democrats wanted to increase spending more uh, on more issues uh, than Republicans. Democrats wanted 16 of the categories raised, uh, Republicans 12. The four exceptions, border security, the military, law enforcement, and just barely space exploration. The bottom line, 60% of Americans say the government spends too much. But the only category where 60% or more of the people want less spending is foreign aid, which is way less than 1% of the budget. The government cannot spend more in each category that both Republicans and Democrats want and balance the budget. It is impossible to do so, but that's what essentially what the people want, both Republicans and Democrats. Right here, chasing public opinion in budgeting is fruitless because what the public wants is mathematically impossible. So again, that's also what we're dealing with, you know, to Chris when it comes to the issues. You and I may think this, the, you know, this way that something has to be uh, done, but the public in general, including a significant portion of Republicans. Look, we had a guy who called and could have been a seminar caller. He claimed he was a conservative and said, oh, we need to have reparations. If we have reparations, the economy would do great because people would uh, get money and they would spend it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's as that's as socialist as you can possibly get. That's as Keynesian socialist as you can get. And, you know, this guy, I'm a conservative. Really? Now, could have been a Democrat line. But it was just, he seemed offended when I told him, you're not a conservative. So there are a lot of people joining the Republican Party that may not necessarily be conservative. Where else can we go? Here's the other challenge we're facing here. The liberal transgender activist movement and the intimidation. But this is really, this is indicative of liberalism in general, what you're going to hear right now. Because what you're going to hear right now uh, is this takes place last uh, July. And it was Josh Hawley uh, talking about abortion, uh, the, trans, the liberal transgender activist movement, uh, pregnancy. And they got on pregnancy with this uh, law professor from Berkeley. And you have to hear this because this is exactly where the Democratic Party is, it's one of the reasons. Everything, 
Everything is intertwined. One of the reasons I want Trump indicted is because if Trump is charged and the zoo of a trial goes on, nobody is paying attention to the issues they hope, and therefore they can win. They will not debate the issues. If you disagree with them, you are demonized, marginalized, intimidated to shut up. But the last thing they want is debate because they know they can't prove their case to the American people. Here it is. Listen to this. You want bizarre, you want insane, what you are about to hear is insanity, and this comes from a law professor at Berkeley. Before, uh, I, I want to visit with you, Ms. Maskey, but before I do, I just want to clear one thing up. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm is denying that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think. Women can <laughs> so get you pregnant. are denying that trans people exist, Thank and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this? Where no, 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 they're, they're told that to they're at, opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. So there you go. That's the insanity with the left. By the way, Holly was not. See, this is a god. You could tear her apart. <laughs> He's not debating that. Transgenders don't exist. What he's saying is, if you are a man who believes you're a woman, you can't get pregnant because you're a biological man. You're not denying that transgenders don't exist, that there aren't people out there who believe they are the opposite sex. He wasn't denying that. He was simply saying Biological men can't get pregnant. So you could tear her arguments apart, but understand you can't even have that debate. This is how radical they are. This is how they know they cannot defend their position. Because as soon as you ask a question, she was accusing Josh Hawley of inciting violence. By asking a question when the left all of a sudden appears one day. Because remember, Eric and I know this because we paid attention and we're not just in the bubble of today. Just seven, eight years ago, gender and sex were different. All of a sudden one day, and we never got the memo, 
gender and sex became the exact same thing. Now, gender and sex was the same thing. It was the liberal transgender activist movement that changed it to begin with and said they were different, and now they're saying they're both the same. So if you are a male who believes that you are a female, then you are legitimately a female. And if you are a female who believes you are a man, then you are actually a biological man who is able to get pregnant. That's the insanity. And if you don't believe that, you are inciting violence because one out of five transgenders attempts suicide. So instead of stating, well, then, if that's happening, there's a much bigger problem than me questioning the science of it. Maybe you shouldn't be saying that children should be able to learn about this and get hormone and other irreversible treatment that mutilates their bodies. Understand the left. She is a law professor. And you can see her backing off when she says no in my class. Anybody can ask any question. Well, he asked the question and he was accused of. And by the way, he didn't. He should have stuck with her, but he moved on. He should have stuck and just pounded, just destroyed her argument. But ah. This is what this is what we're dealing with. And they believe that they are the, in the mainstream of thought in America. And now we saw where it got to. And I told Eric the other day, I said, here's where this is going to lead. I said, you know, we, we know that, no, you can't question the science any longer. If you question it, you're considered transphobic and inciting violence. And now they evolved it to the Nashville... Covenant School murders, the mass murder, is a victim. And now they're attempting to get sympathy for somebody who commits murder that, well, they really didn't have any other choice. That's what that liberal transgender group came out with. So it's your fault. Instead of saying, well, then these people need professional mental health. No. You just have to deny the truth, and you can't ask any questions about this particular topic. It just is what it is because we say it is, and if not, we will demonize you and accuse you of inciting a violent act. Pure insanity. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley. He has the uh, uh, morning off. He returns Sunday night. I'm Gary McNamara. 
We both return Sunday night. Not just one of us. Both of us will be here. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to play that just so you can you can see the totality of what's going on here with the left and the Democratic Party. Everything is about no debate on the issues with Republicans because they can't win on the issues. They can't. There isn't an issue I believe they can win on, including abortion right now. And so, you know, oh, but that's going to stay, that's going to stay like it has been 50-50. But the argument that they have for abortion disappears. I know because I've made the argument with, oh, I don't know, three or four pro-choice women that went, oh, we can't argue that. And, you know, this is the whole thing about the Supreme Court and, you know, being fascist and saying, no, just the opposite. When you walk through it, it's like, whoa. You can defeat any argument that the left has right now. But they don't have an argument. It's simply intimidation. You know, we saw it with, we saw it with, you know, and I and I really think the peak of it was in uh, in 2020 with Black Lives Matter. I mean, that tsunami blue wave of intimidation just rolled over everyone sports leagues industries whatever they all bought into the to the uh, lie of black lives matter and the democrats about police departments being systemically racist you know across the board you know that was really you think about to, to me i've always thought that was really that was really part one of of the critical race theory that all police departments are systemically racist. When actually, if you look at where the systemic racism is in this country, where it's institutionalized, it's directly in the Democratic Party. Gary, that's terrible that you said that. They practice identity politics. This is easy. This isn't hard. They're the ones that judge people by groups and not individuals. How the hell do you think you get to racism? You don't treat people as individuals. You treat them as part of a group and you judge them as part of the group. That's an official policy of the Democratic Party identity politics. And it's been talked about in Pelosi's election a few years back when Tim Ryan challenged her. He challenged her based on identity politics. We have to stop it. We have to stop judging people by groups and deal with people as individuals. But they can't do that because the whole basis of the Democratic Party and liberalism is victim versus oppressor. Now, they've changed the definition of how you become an oppressor. You become an oppressor now just by asking a question or wanting to debate them on the issues because no debate is possible because they're right and you're a racist. They're right and you're a fascist. But I'm not a fascist. No, no, you can't even talk because I said you're a fascist. This is where they are right now. On every single issue, because they can't convince the American public that they are right on the actual issues. They can't do it. They have no substance to the argument that they even believe that they can convince the American public that they are right.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Eric returns Sunday night, Monday morning. Uh, good morning. So uh, there's where we are. Other stories relating to it. Nancy Pelosi appeared to invert the U.S. justice system in a statement on Thursday as she was reacting to news that a Manhattan grand jury had voted to indict former President Donald Trump. Pelosi, the former House Speaker, placed the burden of proof in legal cases on defendants, saying that everyone has a right uh, to a trial to prove they are innocent. And that the justice system grants Trump that right to prove that he is innocent. Wow. Here's the quote. The quote, the grand jury has acted upon the facts and law. Uh, No one is above the law and everyone has the right to a trial to prove innocence. Hopefully the former president will peacefully respect the system which grants him that right. You wonder, you have to really, you have to ask the question. They are so delusional on every single issue these days. Does she actually believe that? I can't take it for granted anymore that it's a mistake. Not with the insanity uh, that uh, uh, they are promoting. Uh, In other news out there, 90% of voters are worried about soaring inflation. It is the top concern among those sampled in a Wednesday Fox News poll. Uh, On average, inflation cost Americans $5,200 in 2022. Remember, though, inflation has been happening since, as we know, since uh, 2021. So we are two years into inflation now. So I don't know what the cost was in 2021. But you extrapolate that out and it's, whoa. Much of the inflation was fueled by energy. Oh, by the way, we'll get to some of the comments from uh, Republicans yesterday. They got their energy bill bill passed. Oh, I did see a reporter ask Kevin McCarthy, you know, why are you doing this? The president said, you know, he's not not for it and therefore will veto it. And then he brought up the two bills that the president says he's against, but he'll sign. (laughs) It's like, well, he said he wasn't for this and he signed this and he said he wasn't for this and he signed that. So... Uh, we'll we'll put this forth. We'll go through the process. You never know. But we'll get to some of the. We played uh, Chip Roy yesterday, who really did was really good from Texas, as he laid out, you know, just the sanity of of what the Republicans want on uh, on energy production and the insanity of the left on energy production. And this gets back to the fact that you know the official position still of the Democratic Party is that we can run our entire grid on wind and solar. That's their belief. Now, they did throw in, the administration threw in 
uh, about a year after they were in office, they said, well, nuclear too, but nobody wants a nuclear reactor in their backyard. That's not happening. So they want to get rid of natural gas. They want to get rid of coal. They believe it. And remember, the president ran on the fact of solar and wind. And it was like after he was in office a while, realized he couldn't hold that position. But it's a position that they wanted. They just knew that they couldn't win the argument unless they threw nuclear in there. But you think we're going to produce? You you think this country is going to have 100 nuclear plants, 200 nuclear plants to... uh, to basically uh, uh, subsidize wind and solar. Anybody think that's happening? Nope. And as we know, the warnings are going out. Well, we've been putting out the warnings on Red Eye for the longest time, but now actually the grid operators are putting out warnings saying, we can't do this. We're not going to be able to support our grid. And so we'll get to some more on the whole energy thing. But like I said, there isn't a time. And oh, and by the way, and what is it? What is the rhetoric uh, from the left? You want to destroy the planet. It's not let's have a discussion. Well, let's have a discussion. No, you want to destroy the planet. That's what you want. There's no just they don't want a discussion on it because they can't win the discussion. They can't win the discussion even with liberals on that. Why? They can win the they've been able to win the discussion on so many issues and we broken this down over the years when the issues are abstract when you look and you say if we don't do this in 10 years or three years the world is doomed oh well i'm nervous about that let's do it but they have lied repeatedly for the last 40 years they've lied or been mistaken for the last 40 years and then when energy prices go up even liberals look at this and say well None of this stuff is happening. You said it was going to happen. Now you have more people peeling off from the left. Bjorn Lomberg, for example, Michael Schellenberger, also have come out and believe that, yeah, we believe global warming is happening, but everything the left is doing is the wrong thing to do. And, you know, especially with Schellenberger, they want him to shut up because he's involved in more than that now. He's part of the... Uh, He's part of the Twitter files. And so, oh, just changing topics just for a second. I want to make sure I mention this, the Twitter files. Well, now Elon Musk is finding out what the problem is. Because you had, uh, after the shooting, after the mass murder in uh, Nashville, uh, Twitter was censoring anything. Uh, that had to do with the uh, liberal transgender activist movement, uh, was it um, a Day of Vengeance, saying, sorry, that isn't a day of protest, that's a day of vengeance. Sorry, that is, that is, um, uh, that is inciting violence, and we won't put that on there. But they were censoring both sides on it. And now the argument is, and it's a legit argument, well, we weren't promoting it. We, because, hey, Elon, you say you believe in free speech. We were pointing out what the liberal transgender activist movement is doing and how they wish to incite violence. We believe it's wrong, but in an open marketplace of an of ideas, you have to show 
what some people are doing. And if some people are inciting violence, you're saying that we can't promote the fact that this is wrong and they shouldn't be doing that. And that's the problem you have when you own Twitter. Because the algorithms just say, okay, act, a day of violence, sorry, can't have that. Doesn't matter what the context is uh, of it. But I just thought I would just mention that because I saw that. I'm like, oh boy, now he's going, oh, what do we do now? I think it was 5,000 different accounts. Something like that were uh, were suspended. But yeah, 90% uh, of the population worried about uh, uh, inflation. And so I thought it was a great time. I thought, and I thought the Republicans did a great job promoting uh, the uh, the energy bill. And I'll try to get a few more audio cuts in here uh, 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 today, but still a lot of discussion on the whole uh, Trump uh, indictment in uh, in in general. But, you know, because that gets down to what Chris in Cincinnati a little while ago was talking about. That, you know, wait a minute, how can't the public change? How could the public possibly put Biden into office again? And based on the substance of the issues, you're absolutely right if that's what the public is focused on in 2024. If the issues are what matter. Democrats are relying on the fact that they don't believe the public. They believe they can distract the public by putting Trump front and center. And they believe they can get Trump if they do this, they believe Trump will win the nomination and then he will lose the general election. And that's why they're doing all of this. Because issues won't be it. Won't be the topic. Everything. Even in the even in the debate, every every Republican candidate now, when they announce is going to be asked, well, what about Trump and what about Trump and what about Trump and what about this? And as the trial goes on and if there's other indictments, that's what it's going to be across the board. And that's all they care about because they know they can't win on the substance of the issues. If you've been a longtime listener of the show, you've probably got sick and tired of hearing us saying that year after year after year after year. And you've heard us say this before. It's never been easier ever to promote conservative principles, which is why the only way that the left feels that they can do it is to attempt to bully you or punish you to get you to shut up or change the narrative or change the topic, anything but discuss the issues that the American public actually cares about. And they believe, that's why this is all going on, they believe they can do it again. Because when it gets down to it, and we've stated this before, Democrats believe that the people that vote for them are idiots. You look at you look at the cities. Look at the urban areas. Look at to fund the police. Think about this. Think, that one issue alone. When the polls were done... Nobody wanted defunding the police, even in the inner cities. Nobody wanted defunding the police. They were happy with their police departments. It was somebody else. It was the abstract that the left was selling. The police department, well, not ours. Ours is great. It's like Congress. Look look at the polling on Congress. Congress sucks. Our congressperson is great. The police suck. Our police are really great where we are. They're okay. And the polls showed that. Yet the Democrats went to defund the police give preference to the criminals, not care about the innocent and vulnerable and law-abiding citizens. And they're still getting reelected. There's a chance that the candidate in Chicago that is extremely defund the police 
will actually win after Lightfoot is out one of the major reasons because of crime. And that's what the Democrats are depending on. They're depending on the ignorance and what they believe is the stupidity of the people that vote for them because they've successfully lied to them over and over again and they still get voted in. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley. He will be back Sunday night, Monday morning. I'm Gary McNamara. I am here right now. Uh, coming up following the top of the hour, James Comey tweets out on uh, the uh, developments from yesterday, showing, by the way, exactly who he is and who we said he was. That's the beauty about somebody like Comey. No self-awareness at all. So we'll get to uh, that. Um, what else do we have? Oh, yes, uh, the uh, the, the uh, Republicans passed the energy bill through the uh, House. And, oh, oh, yeah, the whole reparations thing. I, I forgot about this yesterday. There's a new there's a new number. Remember the last number was $5 million? There is now a new number. It keeps going up. The reparation for San Francisco. That's the problem. $5 million was not enough. What's the new number? We'll tell you coming up. I keep thinking of the old radio promotion, high-low, let's go higher. Uh, jobless claims uh, came in above expectations for the week at 198,000. The Department of Labor said there were 190,000 initial claims for unemployment benefits, up 7,000 from the upwardly revised estimate from the previous week. That was a touch above the 195,000 uh, forecast by uh, economists. So, uh, you know, it. Where are we going in this economy? Who knows? I mean, who just, who knows? Thing is, well, you you would think that the first impression is, well, everything will be Trump from now until uh, he goes to trial. No, it won't because there's going to be quiet times. You know, once he is, um, once, you know, he uh, uh, appears and is officially charged, uh, well, then it's the lawyer's work. I mean, they won't be going to trial. Who knows? Nobody's given an estimate of how long the trial will be. Well, I'm going to go check on that. Maybe somebody has in the last couple of hours. I'll check to see if uh, any legal person has said how long it would probably take uh, to go to uh, to go to trial um, on this. And uh, I just I don't have any idea in uh, Manhattan how long it would take in this particular case. You know, now Trump is saying, I can't get a fair trial in New York. You know, he does have a point. (laughs) Where do you move it to? Move it to Chautauqua County. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of red counties, rural counties in the state of New York.
is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Eric will return for Sunday night, Monday morning show. I'm Gary McNamara. Download our app today. And if you can't listen live overnight, you can listen when and where you choose. Uh, All right, before we get back to uh, more audio here on the uh, grand jury uh, voting to indict former President Donald Trump, other stories, we want to cover all the stories that happened this week. This from the files of the liberal circular firing squad update. Activists on Wednesday demanded that the state of California pay millions of dollars to each black resident in reparations as a way to make amends for slavery and subsequent discrimination, dismissing the idea of payments of $5 million per person as nothing, quote, nothing and too little. Now, the demands were made at an in-person meeting of the California Reparations Task Force, which was created by the state, excuse me, created by state legislation signed by Governor Gavin Newsom in 2020. The committee was hearing comments from the public as it considers final recommendations to submit to the California legislature, which will then decide whether to implement the measures and send them to Newsom's desk to be signed into law. Now, the interesting thing is here, city of San Francisco uh, is weighing its own reparations. And remember, the Board of Supervisors expressed unanimous support for the draft plan that included a proposal of $5 million to each qualifying black resident. The proposal would cost non-black families in the city $600,000 each, according to uh, Stanford University's Hoover Institution. So San Francisco had that, but this was for California. Well, uh, those on the those reparations activists saw what's going on in San Francisco. Said, "You got to be kidding me! Three hundred and sixty thousand dollars per person for California? No way! No way! Five million? No! They said no. We're not going to." No, let's not go for the $5 million that San Francisco is proposing. We want a lot more. What is the new number? And how long will this new number last? The new number. Uh, where is it here? I had it. Oh, I had the new number here. It just my, my uh, the, I've got to find it here. Oh, let me see. The five million. Where's the money? Where's the cash? Where's the where's the check? San Francisco's already made the move. Five million is nothing, and I'll tell you why. They argued that five million spread over fifty years would only amount to a hundred thousand dollars a year, and then with taxes. Well, what he forgot about in San Francisco, he must not be paying attention. Is also there's ninety seven thousand dollars 
a year for 250, uh, 250 years. All right, here's a new number. The new number by the reparations activists in California. This is not for San Francisco. That's at $5 million. They've now topped it. They've gone up higher. And if you know, if California decides to go up higher, <laughs> then San Francisco has to go up higher. The new number, $7.6 million per reparations recipient in the state of California. <laughs> I mean, this is... <laughs> It's where the left is right now. I'm delusional. I'm going to be more delusional than you are. And since I am going to be more delusional and propose the impossible, well, then the next person is going to propose something that's even bigger but more impossible, and therefore that person cares more than you. This is where liberalism has gone, the ultimate in virtue signaling. We don't want to solve any problems. We just wish to come out with absurd statements of what we could do in a make-believe world. And living in our make-believe world, And promoting these things that are financially impossible means that you stink and I care much more than you do. That's the left now. That's where they are. They're delusional, but the bigger the delusion, the more they care, the more they virtue signal better than you you're scum and they care you're only talking five million dollars five million dollars in reparations is nothing you racist we want 7.6 million i need to get my i need to get my calculator out on my phone i actually don't have a calculator (laughs) And, and just see what now what the number would be if if it went from three hundred and sixty, uh, I when it went from three hundred sixty thousand per recipient because one point eight million now times seven point six million, and see what you come up with. We'll see what we come up with. Uh, like California, San Francisco is also facing a massive deficit, aim, uh, estimated at seven hundred twenty eight million. Uh, making it unclear how the city would pay for such a reparations plan. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is good. So no matter what they come up with, if they come up with, let's say they come up with, you know, now they come out and say 360000 and nobody's going to be happy. Oh, wow. So uh, the uh, final report with the state's with the panel's official recommendations is due by July 1st to the state legislature. Oh, please. How they, how are they going to do health care if they pay 7.6 million to each eligible, eligible reparations, uh, recipient. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just love this sentence here. It's unclear how California would afford to pay more than $5 million to black residents. Newsom announced in January that the state faces a projected budget deficit of $22.5 billion for the coming fiscal year. Three weeks later, the California Legislative Analyst Office, a government agency that analyzes the budget for state legislators, legislature, excuse me, estimated in a, a new report that Newsom's forecast undershot the mark by about $7 billion. <laughs> Is there anything right now that's the thing. Is there anything right now where the Democrats aren't completely insane? Anything? Uh, no. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. I feel like I'm in a delusional world because they're so delusional. I can't believe. I never thought I'd be doing talk radio on the topics that I'm doing, ever. If you would have ever told me when I started out on this that I would be talking about the things that we're talking about, why, you filthy transphobe, you're questioning if men can actually get pregnant. You know, you're responsible for those people who attempt suicide or commit suicide because you're asking questions. And by asking questions, you're doubting that men can get pregnant. You evil SOB, you. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought back back then that that would be a topic of discussion. Well, by the time I get to the late years of my talk radio career, these will be the topics that we're talking about. Now, Eric and I did, when we first started working together, there was a, uh, a projection that came out from Futurists that said by 2054, robots would have rights. And we both said at that point that we do not want to be working in talk radio because we do. <laughs> that would be too bizarre. I We never had any, never thought that way before that in 2023 that Democrats would be screaming that men can get pregnant. And if you don't agree with that or if you even have questions about that, if you even question and say, wait a minute, that is impossible that you are inciting violence. Because that's what the Democratic Party and the left is now stating. And everyone knows, every Democrat listening to me right now knows that's insane. That is pure insanity. And that's where they stand. So, we'll get to more of your calls and comments. Uh, we will get to more analysis of the Trump indictment. In fact, uh, I'll have, I guess Mike Pence actually spoke up on it. One thing, and by the way, I don't call never Trumpers. Never, I guess, are we in agreement that most never Trumpers, there may be a few, but most never Trumpers are not Republican? You know, you see where Liz Cheney has gone, whatever, and, you know, and Republicans need to stop banning books and focus on guns. Oh, so you've just become the ultimate liberal. Saw that one yesterday, and there was a picture, I don't know, maybe it was, I want to make sure it wasn't artificial intelligence, but there was a picture of Liz Cheney sitting there with the popcorn in front of her, like, oh, I can't wait for all of this. Uh, 
what a tool she was of the Democratic Party in the January 6th committee. Everybody, even Democrats, knew it was political. That's why I didn't go anywhere. That's why I just died. See, James Comey also tweeted on the Trump thing. What did he say? It was like something like, uh, it was a great day or something like that. And it shows the bias because if you're an FBI director, you don't take things personal. You know, he knows it's he knows from what we know right now, it's a horribly weak case. It shows what the problem was with James Comey. He was a political activist. He was a bureaucrat who was a political activist. He was certainly not the whole thing, a higher loyalty, that book that he wrote. Jeez. And we called him out on it. And he did the the book tours, and then you find, found out, well, no. He was just a political act, activist in the FBI. James Comey headed the filth of the other management in the FBI. He headed the filth. He was the top filthy guy in the FBI. And by that tweet that he put out yesterday, it shows he has no self-awareness that he was the filth in the FBI. He led the filth in the FBI. He has no self-awareness of that whatsoever. 866-90-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. To determine a driver's compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA score, safety event data is recorded and compared against that of other drivers. Drivers are given a CSA score, but unlike motor carrier scores, driver scores are only visible to enforcement officers during an audit. However, drivers' most recent five years of crash data and three years of roadside inspection data is made available to potential employers via the pre-employment screening program. So it's a good idea for drivers to review their online PSP record from time to time. A request for data review can be submitted via data queues to have errors corrected or to have a non-preventable crash designation indicated for a crash. In the event a current or previous carrier is audited, records on drivers with high CSA scores will be targeted first. But individual drivers are not subject to CSA interventions like motor carriers. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eric's back Sunday night, Monday morning. Uh, yeah, when, as I was started, and then I got uh, off track just for a, a little bit there in the last segment, but I was saying that uh, one thing, because I was talking about never-Trumpers, I said they're not really Republicans, <laughs> as as we know. I mean, you look at some of the things that they're talking about, it's like, well, they became Democrats. How did that happen? They became, all of a sudden, they became liberal. And so I don't, I don't include them in this, but one thing this has done is the Republican Party is unified. Maybe not behind Donald Trump to vote for him, but they're unified as a party that this is just reprehensible. Uh, what we know from what if, if what Bragg is going with, if uh, those charges are what he's going forward with in the indictment. There's other the, Also, the other point is 
that they believe the indictment should be out now. I'll, I'll get to that. A couple of uh, legal experts saying there's no reason not to have, you know, what the indictment's about out now to the public. The public needs to know what it is. Why are they waiting? That, you know, he's not a flight risk. He's not going anywhere. You can you can announce what it is. Why aren't they? So, um, but uh, they have united. They have united the Republican Party to focus on the weaponization of government because those hearings were going on. And then it's the funny thing is everything that happened, you know, for example, Matt Taibbi, uh, part of the Twitter files, he's a liberal reporter. There he is to testify for the weaponization of government. And boom, the FBI, an agent is at his door that day. And still there's complete silence. Nobody's even defending and saying, no, it didn't happen. Or here's why it did happen. And so everything that happens just reinforces to Republicans and many independents that the Democrats are about weaponizing government against its citizens and making up crimes that actually don't exist. Here's Mike Pence yesterday on CNN. I think the unprecedented indictment of a former president of the United States on a campaign finance issue is an outrage. And, and it appears to, to millions of Americans to be nothing more than a political prosecution that's driven by a prosecutor who literally ran for office on a pledge to indict the former president. But it wasn't just, uh, Mr. Vice President, excuse me for interrupting, it wasn't just the prosecutor, the district attorney right. in New York who did this. This was a grand jury, a grand jury of some 23 people, right. and you need a majority, 12, to go ahead and criminally indict. Well, I, I understand that. And it's uh, been a long time since I was in law school, Wolf. But I remember the old saying, you can indict a ham sandwich, right? Uh, the threshold, the burden of proof is very low. Prosecutors make decisions, discretionary decisions about what they bring all the time. Federal prosecutors passed on this. The Manhattan DA initially delayed it, passed on it. Uh, but when you have an attorney general in New York and a Manhattan DA that targeted one particular American in their campaigns, I think that offends the notion of, of the overwhelming majority of the American people who believe in fairness, who believe in equal treatment before the law. And this appears to be just one more example, Wolf, of the kind of two-tiered justice system that uh, the American people have had enough of. But your Justice Department... Uh, and, uh, you know, he made a great point there that if you were going to bring these charges, you could have brought the misdemeanor charges a long time ago. Nobody did. They waited till the campaign started. That's a great point that the federal government, the Department of Justice wouldn't prosecute. Initially, the Manhattan D.A. would not prosecute, that he wouldn't even brag, wouldn't even prosecute. The FEC didn't find any crime, campaign finance crime. And they didn't do it until the campaign started. And the imagery that it, that has in Americans that the opposition party is throwing bogus charges at a candidate on the opposite side in order to win an election.
On your smart speaker, say, play Red Eye Radio. And, if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, He is Eric Harley, and uh, he has the morning off. He's back Sunday night, Monday morning. I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome, and uh, good morning. You know, I was reading this. This was an op-ed piece uh, from... Sam Braverman and another attorney, is it uh, Greenberg, uh, that was analyzing the uh, what might be in the indictment and and the problem. It says uh, this is really interesting because these are a couple of one point we've made. The other point's interesting. Uh, Mr. Trump, as company CEO, had a limited role in the details of the Trump organization's record-keeping practices. The role surely became even more limited once he entered the White House. It is thus unclear how the prosecution could prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Mr. Trump knew how the payments to Ms. Daniels would be recorded in the Trump Organization books. Perhaps Mr. Cohen's testimony or the testimony of some currently unnamed Trump Organization employee can show Mr. Trump's personal knowledge of and involvement in the alleged false record-keeping but in the absence of such testimony, the prosecution's case may uh, founder at on this elementary uh, point. Second, there is a clear division in New York case law about the meaning of intent to defraud in the falsifying business record statute. One line of cases holds that the intent to defraud in this context requires showing that the defendant intended to deprive a victim of money, property, or some other interest. But other courts have held that no such requirement exists. All that must be shown is that a deliberately false entry was made in a business record. The prosecution's theory will likely be that Mr. Trump's motive for falsifying business records was to deceive federal election law authorities and voters. But if the precedents that require an intent to cheat a victim out of their money are held to govern, the prosecution will fail. Uh, Mr. Trump's most favored defense will likely be a factual one. His lawyers will undoubtedly argue that no jury should believe anything Mr. Cohen or Ms. Daniels says. Any defense attorney would salivate at the chance to cross-examine these star witnesses. Mr. Cohen has been convicted not only for making false sworn statements to Congress, but also of lying on his federal tax forms. His many inconsistent statements about Don Daniels matter, uh, the Daniels matter, uh, make staking a conviction on Mr. Cohen's claims a significant challenge for the prosecution. Ms. Daniels will certainly be portrayed by the defense as a witness unworthy of belief by virtue of both her profession and her prior statements. Mr. Trump's lawyers will assert that she has at times been paid to tell different stories, which she was. Why should Ms. Daniels be believed now in the circus-like atmosphere of a Trump trial? Said, in sum, Mr. Uh, Trump's best defense may be the boring legal argument that even if all the facts alleged by the prosecutor are accepted as true, he lacked the required intent to cheat a victim out of money and property. So there you go. And as I said, there's a ton of other problems, too. I mean, we look at, uh, again, uh, Bob Costello's testimony. 
he was a uh, legal advisor to Michael Cohen and said, look, everything he's saying is a lie. And then you have the letter, the New York poster was at the emails it was a letter, letter of emails. I forgot that, that, uh, the, uh, Cohen lawyer sent to the feds saying, Nope, Trump didn't know anything about this at all. Knew nothing about it. His lawyers, Cohen's lawyers, this was all Cohen's doing. Trump didn't know anything. Didn't know about the payments. Didn't know about anything. So that's fascinating from what we know. And so unless there's something coming out of left field, I don't know, maybe something with Karen McDougal. I, I you know, who knows? Uh, but I, I just have, I've never gotten it from what supposedly the basis of his indictment is. I want to go here. This is uh, Fox News last night. Uh, Laura Ingram interviewing. Uh, oh, I can't think of it. Uh, David Schoen, uh, a former Trump impeachment lawyer, and uh, Sol Weisenberg, former federal prosecutor, on what happened yesterday. From a purely legal perspective. What is this case looking like? We actually don't have the actual indictment, but if what has uh, led up to this is true, then we basically know what the contours will be. Right. We don't have the indictment. It's sealed still. I don't know why. It should be open already. We're not talking here about a fugitive. Um, It's a matter of great public interest. But assuming the indictment charges something like this misdemeanor of false business records and then turning it into a felony because uh, it was the records were falsified allegedly to conceal or commit another crime here, maybe what they consider to be an illegal campaign contribution. It's absolutely absurd. Uh, it violates every prudential policy of uh, underlying the prosecution function. It goes against the ABA standards on it. It goes against Mr. Comey's statement. Uh, uh, how about this? When the Clinton indictment was under uh, consideration, Comey said, although there's evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Prosecutors necessarily weigh a number of factors before bringing charges. The ABA tells you the same thing. Has this been done before? No. Those are all the considerations to be made. This is nothing more than a political move. This harkens back to Jerry Nadler in 2019 saying we cannot trust the voters to get Trump out of office. About as undemocratic a statement as a public official could ever have made. Wow. And it's interesting that he brought up because we had brought up earlier about Comey's uh, tweet that he put out. It's been a good day. And then Comey himself (laughs) with uh, Hillary Clinton uh, not on her admitting that she violated uh, campaign finance laws and had to pay a $113,000 fine. But actually, when you think about it, and the point he's trying to make is she put a server that was going to have top secret information. She knew it that would pass through that. The premeditation that existed there, she put it in her office in order to avoid the Freedom of Information Act, which is uh, against the law. So you've got two things, putting the the server in her home, knowing that top secret information was going to be in, which is, from what I remember, that was the violation of the Espionage Act. I remember Eric and I actually read that on the air. And then the second was attempting to avoid the Freedom of Information Act. And what Comey said is, well, nobody this high has ever been prosecuted for that. And we said... Well, that's because nobody had a computer like this and a a server like this, you know, for the vast majority of anybody who ever served in that position. (laughs) 
nobody was stupid enough to put a server in their home so you get away with it the first time if you do it. And those were much more serious charges of national security because remember what Comey said. The assumption was bad actors got into her computers, which means worldwide enemies, countries got into her computer. Uh, let's continue with uh, Laura Ingram as she asks here Saul Weisenberg a question. Now, Saul, a Washington Post op-ed tonight um, reads, regardless of what people think about Trump or the facts of the case, it's not hard to see the problem here. New York State's entire judicial process is controlled by Democrats who could lose their positions in party primaries. Every New York State judge who would either try the case or hear an appeal is elected on a partisan basis, too. It would take a lot of courage for a judge to apply the law fairly and potentially ignore their voters' desire for vengeance. Saul, your response by Henry Olson's, to Henry Olson's piece. Do you really want a crazy prosecutor? Do the Democrats really want a wacko Trump prosecutor in Idaho to be bringing an indictment against Joe Biden or whoever his successor is? We can't have something like this. So if you have something as absolutely radical as a local district attorney bringing a case against a former president of the United States, you better have a strong legal case. Strong not only legally, but uh, in terms of is this the kind of case that we would ever want to bring? And as so many people have said, it's just not here, uh, Laura, unless there's a big surprise now awaiting us. Now, keep in mind, these people made everybody think that there wasn't going to be an indictment this week. And that was obviously misdirection. And now it looks like the indictment won't be unsealed until Tuesday. So maybe there's a surprise waiting there. But based on everything we've heard, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I look at this as a, as a federal criminal defense attorney, but this is a white-collar type case. I look at this, and, and I see something as dubious legally, extremely dubious legally, doubt it will hold up, but also prudentially, as Mr. Schoen said, uh, a prosecutor is not supposed to bring a case just because he or she can. And you know what? Something I just, I suspect, even if there isn't a lot of substance to another charge, I do expect, I, I just, for some reason, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, there's got to be another charge. There has to be something else in here. You can't go in this. Everybody knows. I mean, when this, by the time this was vetted by the end of last week, nobody, not even on, on the left, bought it. Now, again, he's delusional in a lot of the things that he has done. And we mentioned before, we keep mentioning the one specific, which is wanting to not charge somebody who commits armed robbery with the felony as long as they don't shoot the gun. And he had to back off on that insane idea. So he may not have any more, but there's just something in me that says, okay, even if it lacks, even if it lacks uh, a lot of legal substance, there's something else that he's going to throw in. That's just my total gut feeling, just so people can focus on something else. Go, well, maybe there's nothing there, but there's something here, uh, even if there is nothing there. But nobody can figure out what that might be. Let's continue with a little bit more of this uh, interview here. But David, you know, this the fact that Saul mentioned there seems to be some games being played here. You know, the kind of gotcha moment. Well, we tricked you. We we made you think it wasn't coming out. And then we, you know, skipped out of town because, uh, you know, whatever. They want to keep the drama going. Doesn't that itself speak to the political nature of this? 
Absolutely. Uh, it seems like Bragg is right, you know, preparing his campaign to run for governor here. Sure. And remember, you know, it's funny you should say that because I've pulled a number of Bragg quotes when he ran uh, for the district attorney. It was all about Trump, how he's the strongest against Trump, Trump, Trump. That also raises independently some ethical problems for Mr. Bragg, I think. But as Mr. Weisenberg said, you know, this case prudentially is wrong, but also think about the evidence. Again, there could be surprises. Maybe Mr. Pecker said something to help them. Maybe Mr. Weisselberg, who they're turning the screws to. But ultimately, the case turns on Michael Cohen. That's why we saw, you know, other people being called to the grand jury. But think about what Bob Costello did. Whatever Mr. Cohen has to say, he spoke to Bob Costello as, as his lawyer. And according to Mr. Costello, he said that Cohen assured him at a time when he could help himself that Trump knew nothing about the Stormy Daniels payment or the McDougal payment. And by the way, Bob Costello submitted additional handwritten notes this past Monday, contemporaneous notes from June 13th, mm. 2018, quoting Cohen as saying specifically that there was nothing that Trump on Trump about uh, the McDougal thing or the Stormy Daniels thing. And where is the U.S. Attorney's Office's notes? Costello met with them. They knew all of these things. The DA professed not to even know that Cohen had uh, waived attorney-client privilege with Costello. This all just came out. How do you come out with an indictment now and consider it to be a full investigation? Yeah. There you go. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Front Eye Radio, I'm Gary McNamara. I think one of the, in that interview that Laura Ingram was doing, I think it was a, a great point. It seems like there's misdirection through leaks. Why? Why are you doing that? And, and they, the former prosecutors were talking about that. That's what makes it seem political. Like, oh, okay, you thought it was going to be that. What do you mean? Why are you doing that? Why do you even care about the politics of it? You're because the politics are important. But if you're a DA and truly looking for the crime, why are you throwing this misdirection in there? Is there misdirection? The leaks were, oh, it's gonna, oh nothing's going to happen for a month, and boom. Ha-ha, got you. That's not how prosecutors are supposed to act. And the leaking that has occurred all along on this. And you say, hmm, on purpose? And Why? And you look at it, and well, the one thought I had is when I heard uh, David Schoen go through the entire thing, you listen to him, and you go, well, there's no case at all. Well, maybe that isn't the case. Maybe it's something completely different. Maybe that was the weak part of the case that they wanted exposed to see if anybody politically would buy into it, and they have something else. I don't know, because it's just, it's just, it's, it's, folks, this is really, really this is bizarre. I mean, uh, we're we're getting used to bizarre over the last couple of years, but when you just when you break it down uh, from what we know, if that's the case that Bragg is going at, unless there's some other evidence that exists out there that's slam dunk, nobody gets it. Not even on the left. I'm looking at some of the you know the president's uh, biggest critics, Maxine Waters. Oh, Trump finally got indicted. I predicted he would. I predicted Stormy Daniels would get him. Sometimes justice works, but nobody talks about the actual charges that they know of and defends it as a good case. As I go through everybody on the left, from Adam Schiff all the way across the board, nobody actually talks about the case on the left. 866-90-RED-EYE. 
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.